Dish Bites, discussing Milwaukee's culinary and restaurant culture. With Ann Christensen of Milwaukee Magazine and Tariq Moody of 88.9. This Bites is brought to you by Society Insurance. Welcome to This Bites, Milwaukee's culinary podcast with your host, food writer and critic from Milwaukee Magazine, Ann Christensen. And I'm DJ Tariq, a.k.a. the architect of 88.9 Radio Milwaukee. We've got a lot of things to talk about on this week's edition of This Bites, including my journey to become a certified sake professional. Yes, I am a certified sake professional, so bow before me. Um, I'm bowing. <laughs> we also got to talk about February's back, uh, Chinese New Year and more, but we're going to kick it off. As you know, it's a terrible winter going on, cold, polar vortex or whatever that is. All it means is just it's nasty. I don't like it. I hate it. I don't like seasons. A lot of people are like, I like seasons. I like I like salt and pepper, and I like warm and hot. That's all the seasons I like. But over at Milwaukee Magazine, Ann, you have a guide for people who want to find something warm and comforting to eat in these uh, cold days, weeks, months, years, or whatever, how long this winter is going to last, according to uh, the groundhog uh, that saw its shadow or didn't see. I don't know the rules, but anyway, you have a guide to winter bites in Milwaukee. Let's, let's yeah. start with that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I put together a guide to like – um, just stuff that's real comforting. Six things, okay? Um, and as you know, right now, the Milwaukee Winter Farmer's Market is going on right now on Saturdays at the Domes. You can pick up Clario Farms pasta there, which are these homemade pastas um, that the owners started selling at farmer's markets. They started doing it when they had um, their farmers, you know, and it was a a season where the growing season wasn't all that great. So they they decided they're gonna make pasta. And um, they mix the pasta with herbs, garlic, vegetables, all these things that they grow on their 40 acre farm near Algoma. Um, so they have all these really delicious um, fresh pastas. One of the other things that I, uh, that I highlight here is this really great granola made by Chalkboard, which is a company kind of in the North Shore of Mequon area. Um, it's another, uh, this was something I discovered at a farmer's market recently or last summer rather. Um, and they make just really great granolas. They're just, if you like granola, put it on your, um, put it on yogurt. You, you have it with milk. Maybe you put it on ice cream. Maybe, maybe you eat it by itself. I don't know. Granola to me is just like super comforting. I love it. Um, Another thing that I highlighted here are the soups. These are not new, but these soups by Wisconsin Soup Company. Um, it's a Tosa-based company that actually uses a lot of Wisconsin companies in their soups. So vegetables from Gen Air Family Farm, um, mushrooms from River Valley Ranch. Um, so all of the, their, their soups are, are like kind of chock full of fresh local ingredients. And they're all like really... Um, very classic. So they've got things like a gorgonzola crab bisque, broccoli cheddar, Wisconsin beer cheese. That's just a few. They have a ton of different kinds. So, um, so yeah, those are just a few of the things that I mentioned in Winter Bites. And you can find that over at uh, milwaukeemagazine.com, right? Yep. Winter, winter. Like, what do you like to, what, what, in this kind of weather, what do you like to eat what makes you uh warm and soups absolutely soups? do you have a particular soups. soup for the polar vortex or whatever this i just call it like this is not 
this is not hum- meant for human consumption weather. I know. What kind I of like, soups like what like you like for like, like this type of cold? I like creamy ones. So like cream mm-hmm. of sweet potato, creamy carrot soup. You know, you make them yourself I, too. I do. Yeah, I there. I have a really good recipe for cream of carrot soup, um, but just rich. I mean, you got to have cream in there, and there's just something about about a creamy soup that. I think really sticks with you too, you know, yeah. as opposed to a broth based. So, um, so I really, yeah, I think soup is one of those. And I think about soup, most people realize like you really don't need a recipe. You just got to understand the foundation yeah. and you can be right. creative. Like, like a good idea, especially during this time, make a bunch of different stocks. Like if you're vegan or not, make a vegetable stock, like roasted vegetables and leeks. Mm-hmm. You put it in a freezer, last like six, eight months in the freezer, something like that. Ridiculous for the broth. Yeah. Um, Make your own chicken and beef stock, pork stock, and have it like the stocks already. Then you have your vegetables and proteins and cream, and whatever you have on hand or beans or whatever. Take the stocks out, put some vegetables, cook it up. Have an immersion blender or not to blend it in if you don't want to blend it, or have it just like a brothy soup, or add cream or fish, bread peppers, bell peppers. Like soup is a really easy dish to be creative with it's just you just gotta understand the foundations and have fun like Mm -hmm. i think people make it like sound make it sound like soup's just a difficult thing but it's not it's and it's the best satisfying thing to have your own broth i know people it's easier to buy that stuff in the grocery stores and that's Mm -hmm. fine in a pinch but hey in a weekend just sit down and put some stuff in a stove and make some broth and put in the freezer get some containers and you're good to go and it's gonna be healthier you control the salt and yeah i mean when I made that uh, beans and uh, um, potato and leek soup, that was just something I had in the kitchen. Like, I'm hungry. I want soup. And like, oh, shoot, I got this. I have this. Oh, and I have an immersion blender I had for a while. And bam, bam, thank you, ma'am. You know, <laughs> I put some soups together. So it was really cool. Yeah. Again, you can check out the guide to Winter Bites over at MilwaukeeMagazine.com. We'll post a link over our website as well. Coming up, we'll continue our conversation with this Bites with uh, Chinese New Year and some more uh, comforting things for the winter like pho. That's all coming up on This Bites. We'll be right back. We make it our mission to amplify positivity, so we're starting 2021 with gratitude. Thank you for supporting the Radio Milwaukee team. Because of you, we're still here to be your work-from-home companions, your go-to for music discovery, and more. We're excited to bring you new projects this year, plus the programming you know and love. Want to help us make it? Visit RadioMilwaukee.org and click the orange heart to join today. We're back on This Bites, the wonderful Ann Christensen of Milwaukee Magazine, and me trying to stay warm in this... uh, uh, whatever polar bear weather. I don't even think polar bears like this stuff. I think polar Probably bears not. like it. I'm going to Florida. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. Um, but uh, we're going to continue our conversation. Um, next, uh, we're going to continue on keeping warm. Uh, the annual February is back. Mm-hmm. Uh, pho, which is a, a fantastic soup for the winter. Fantastic soup anytime. I might be honest, I eat, it, I eat it in the summer. Soup is great in the summer, by the way. It, like, it, it actually cools yeah, you down after you eat it. Most people don't think of it. We've talked about that. We've talked yeah. about that, you know, how that does that, especially if it's spicy, too. Yeah, it's a great cooling down. Like, you eat it, you're hot, but once you're done, it's a cooling effect. Really cool. But anyway, February is back. Um, and it, they, have, of course, are doing a pandemic, so they have a fuh-to-go experience. Uh, so you can have fuh at home 
with this amazing Vietnamese dish from the comfort of your home. And uh, it's it's all in the um, Silver City kind of uh, neighborhood area. So this year, there's only three locations, I guess, taking part in this. Bamboo in Silver City at 3427 West National. Thai mm-hmm. Barbecue, uh, also just down the street. Vien Tien Noodle Shop, also just down the road. I love that place. I always get the little... Uh, Me too. The quail. I think it's a quail, right? Fried quail wings? Yeah, the fried quail. Um, so there's only three locations to go. They're not going to have any kind of special prices because they need more support than ever during this, than this time of the pandemic. But um, you also have a chance to win a raffle, a gift card. Um, basically, had the instruction how to participate. Visit one of the three restaurants mentioned before. Take a photo of your pho or a selfie with your pho. Submit it to the Fa to go Facebook event under discussion uh, or submit it to uh, their Facebook messenger um, or and use the hashtag FAMKE for the raffle. We'll post links and all the details of uh, where you get the Fa and stuff. Um, so uh, I love February, um, even though it's kind of a slimmed down version of it, still, mm-hmm. still doing it. I agree. And it's a perfect time to get some Fa right now. I love the broth. I love I that love star anise. The star anise. Exactly. I was That's- just going to say that. That that just that star needs just makes it just uh huh, you know. And Alex, the sap sap, kind of his Laotian kind of uh, his broth is just like I want to bathe. Amazing, in. yeah, yeah. It's just silky, nice mouthfeel, like really great broth, by the way. But anyway, next Chinese New Year's upon us, uh, February twelfth. It is the year of the ox, I think. Um, yeah, it is. And, and I'm assuming other places are going to take part, but at least all the one I know so far is. Dan Dan, they're doing a Chinese New Year kind of thing, but they're calling it Year of the Ox to Go Box. Ah, ah, that's. uh, I get it. They're doing it to go. Normally, you know, they have a big events at Dan Dan, but of course, you know, pandemic. Uh, So they're offering three courses for two for a price. We can't mention it. We'll post links and you can see what it costs. I'm gonna go over the courses for you. First course, course. Dumplings. You can't have a Chinese New Year meal without dumplings, right? Mm-hmm. They're doing chicken and leek dumplings. Man, I love leek. Leek is just, it's leek is great. Mm-hmm. But chicken leek dumplings with leek butter and crispy leek. I think the there's enough course. leek in there? I don't know. I mean, I, I assume all the filling will leak out with all uh, that leek. I love it. <laughs> I set you up for that. Yeah, you know. I'm just leaking all the details right now. Oh. Uh, course number two is a duck noodle soup, scallion, and pak choy. That sounds so good. I love duck. Mm-hmm. I wish duck was more common. In, like, I wish duck was a little more common, you know? Yeah, it really is. I think isn't. duck is a really great, flavorful meat. Uh, makes great broth. Um, I just wish it was more common, but that's fine. I actually like it better than chicken, to tell you the truth. Um, but there's a duck, second thing is a soup. Third course, char siu pork, which is kind of like this barbecue China Chinese style barbecue pork, with mandarin pancakes, scallions, cucumber, pickled cabbage, and hoisin. Um, so those three courses, you got to place your order by today, yeah, February fifth, or time. you're 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 out of luck. And pickup uh, is on the eleventh. Yes. So um, for those who who like Ann or myself, and you want to order our meals, uh, sure. Just let us know, and we'll give you your address, and you can drop it off. When you pick it up for us. So <laughs> that's Dan Dan's Chinese New Year's uh, yeah. menu, to-go menu. Uh, got some news about Red Light Ramen. They've been doing some interesting things lately, uh, doing some uh, interesting boxes. Beyond, Of course, you can get the ramen to-go at different grocery stores. They, uh, Jessica Carlisle announced they're doing this taki, takoyaki waffle. 
takoyaki, if you're not familiar, are like these uh, round kind of, I guess you call them like fritters or something like, kind of like a fritter thing, okay. batter thing. And that's, that's cooked in this kind of pan, spherical pan, half spherical pan. And it's filled with like octopus and other things. Traditionally octopus. The other people can put other things in there. And then it has like bonito flakes and QP mayonnaise, which is like a Japanese mayo, but a little sweeter and richer than traditional American mayonnaise and kind of a little sauce on top of it. So Justin has taken that concept of this takoyaki balls and converted the batter and put it into a waffle iron. Takoyaki waffles, which includes braised octopus, of course, QP mayonnaise, and duck katsubushi, which katsubushi traditionally is a fish, tuna, and what you shave the katsubushi is like a rock, like almost like petrified. Like it's crazy what it is and how it works. It lasts forever. And you shave it and you get like these little flakes. And traditionally, those flakes become bonito flakes. Mm-hmm. So looks like Justin, instead of the fish, he has a duck katsubushi. So I'm really curious of what that tastes like. So so as a, a nagi sauce, which is like this kind of eel kind of sweet sauce that usually goes on nagi's nagi eel. Sushi, which I love that sauce. I like mm-hmm. I got two bottles in my refrigerator. I love it so much. I put it on like everything. I put it on my okonami pancakes. It's such a great flavor. Full mm-hmm. of anami and sweetness. It's like, mm, imagine. So it's a waffle version of this you can get at Red Light Ramen. If you want a ramen, and you, get, you can also get the waffle as well. Braised octopus. I love the waffle. because You like get the crispiness and the waffle crust. Like, why didn't I think about that? Like, I was about, I was about to buy a takiyaki grill. I'm like, dude, just get a waffle iron. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need a special grill that I will use like once in a blue moon. You just get a waffle iron I use it all the time. There you go. And I can make takoyaki waffles, you know? Anyway. So are you going to get red light ramens waffles? I'm going to try it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, I might have to wait till the, uh, I don't want to go out in this weather. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, get, I want to get at least above 10 degrees before I go out. I think you're going to need to give it another week then. <laughs> um, Weather gets a little bit better. Yeah. Next, um, Bayview. Some happenings happen in the neighborhood of Bayview with all the restaurants because, like, apparently the only place to pre- build restaurants is Bayview in this city. Like, uh, yeah. you know, where else can I build a restaurant? I don't know. Bayview. Like, dude, come on. Anyway. There's a new baby restaurant coming into a space where Belly is. Belly's Bistro is actually moving to the former space of Honey Pie Honey Cafe Pie. on mm-hmm. KK. But this new restaurant it's called will be called Blackwood Brothers. And it's called it's the official name, Blackwood Brothers Restaurant and Social Club. Again, it'll be located at 3001 South Connect Connect Avenue. Former place of Bellies, or will be the former place of Bellies, and before that, Pastiche. Remember Pastiche back in the day? Oh, definitely. Yes. Um, so it's it's going to be owned by Sherilyn Law, who has two decades of service industry experience. Uh, the name is actually a nod to the building's history, which was built in 1910. Three-story structure, I'm reading from Urban Milwaukee here, so I'll give them some shout-out, mm-hmm. uh, was home to Blackwood Brothers Hardware Store. Yeah. Which is cool. I, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a menu feel uh, kind of a new American theme, focused on comfort food from different regions and countries. Offering includes uh, East Orleans shrimp sliders, kimchi pot stickers, Argentinian street food inspired by Troy Pond, and a meatloaf dinner. And uh, brunch is also planned. So, so a new uh, restaurant coming to Bayview. 
No, none coming to River West, but that's cool. Bayview. Yeah, you know. Moving on. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't go. Oh, we know you're if, kidding. If, if you're mad, email Ann at. No, just kidding. Sure. <laughs> yeah, just send all your complaints to me. <laughs> um, what's the perfect thing to uh, forget about this cold weather, Ann? What's the best way to forget about cold? Um, drink. Yes, that's our next subject. <laughs> Good segue there, Ann. Thank uh, you. Cocktails. Come on. You get yeah. some comfy food. It's great. But hey, the best way to forget about this terrible weather is to get buzzed. Yeah. Let's be frank. And you're at home. You don't have to drive. Cool. But, but if you want to get some nice cocktails, Hawthorne Coffee is uh, going to do a cocktail pop-up, Ann. Mm-hmm. Do you have the details on that? I do have the deets on that. So um, Hawthorne Coffee is a roaster down in Bayview, uh, Bayview area. And they're going to be doing a pop-up on February 13th that has a Valentine's theme. And it's going to be called This Menu Was Built for Lovers. Oh, sounds yeah. like something for so you and all your boyfriends. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the drink list is going to include Hawthorne interpretations of classic cocktails plus original drinks. And uh, just so you know, Steve Hawthorne, who's the co-owner of Hawthorne uh, Coffee Roastery, he's been a longtime bartender. He's worked at um, Bryant's, um, the Jazz Estate, uh, you know, all those um, very cool, at random, all those places John Dye runs, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, so anyway, so he's going to be doing this 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 pop-up. And just so you know, the cafe has been remodeled for COVID-19 precautions. So they've added air purifiers that are going to clean the air every 15 minutes. They, the bar was moved against the wall so that, you know, the, and plexiglass was installed. So there's a barrier. Um, so they've actually kind of set this up so people can stay six feet apart. And ordering is going to be contactless via mobile phone. So anyway, I don't know. It sounds like a great idea. Um, just so you know, maybe a few of what if those cocktails are going to be. They're going to be 10 drinks on the, men on the menu that night. One is called the Pink Gin. It's a gin martini with custom bitters. Mm. The Paper Plane is another cocktail made with Old Forester 100 proof bourbon, Aperol, Ancho Reyes, Chile liqueur. Did I say that right? Ancho Reyes? Yeah, Ancho Reyes. Yes. Ancho Reyes, chili liqueur, blood orange liqueur, and lemon. So, um, so there's all these different um, interesting sounding cocktails. Um, there's also going to be something called the Burning Desire, which is a flaming rum punch. Mm. Um, so these are all going to be on the menu for the pop-up on February 13th. And my understanding is if all goes well, he's going to continue to do more pop-ups of this kind. Cool. The Burning Desire must have been named after you, huh, Ian? Maybe. Maybe. And maybe, hopefully, maybe if, if, if our government gets their act together, maybe we can get these cocktails to go. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? 30 other cities and states have it, but hey, Wisconsin. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Anyhow, yeah. leadership. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, just, it's just frustrating. You know, like, we're in a pandemic. We got to be innovative. And, and the people in the way of innovation... Or the people in Madison and, and 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 government places, but 
that's another conversation, another podcast altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about another drink. I, I thought we'd close out. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of proud of this. Um, I mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, late last year, I was taking a, um, my journey. I wanted to open a sake brewery or make sake by the time I turn, um, a certain age in three years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I started a journey and I mentioned, I started a journey with a signing up for a course called the sake professional course. I have completed that course, by the way, uh, as of this past Saturday with an exam, which I passed. And officially, I am a certified sake professional. And that test, I want to say, I haven't taken a test. I don't remember the last time I took a freaking test. Oh, my God. When was the last time I took a test? I don't even remember. Yeah, I feel sorry for students. Tests suck. (laughs) (laughs) But that test was just, ah. There's a lot of Japanese terms I had to learn. A lot of Japanese terms. Like, um, the legal term for sake is seishu. So, and there's different, and there's classification grades of sake, right? Um, Futsuchu, I'm giving a little education. Fusushu is mostly table sake. Most people have, most people experience sake, if they had sake, it's probably a fusushu sake. Mm. Um, You probably see it in grocery stores, um, it's like, you know, no classifications, just, it's like table wine grade kind of, there's some good fusushu out there, some bad fusushu, like there's good table wine, there's bad table wine. Then there's kind of a premium sake. Mm-hmm. Um, and it begins with a thing called hanjosu. Uh, hanjosu is, um, basically is water, yeast, koji, and rice. Um, and that's and the rice is milled. That's where you get the different qualities of the flavors. Is uh well one of the ways is how the rice is milled. And the typical you can use regular rice for sake. By the way, just letting you know that you can. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it makes the process easier to get a good quality sake using specifically grown sake rice. Um, of course, a lot of the sake rice is grown in Japan. There's some grown in California, um, but the mill the higher the, the rice is milled. So you're trying to get rid of the, the fat and protein around the rice to get to the starch. Starch, again, starch. You hear starch a lot in, in brewing. Um, so you mill it down. The more you mill, te- the, technically you have a, a more delicate, finer product. Okay. And they call that milling rate semi-bui. Semi-bui. I always pronounce it wrong. Um, so, for example, Hanjozu is usually a around 70% semi-boy. So basically they took 30% of the rice, the fat and protein outer out of the rice. And then basically you create like a, a yeast starter, which is called a moto or a shubo. And you add koji mold to the rice. Koji mold is kind of a mold you sprinkle over the rice and that becomes koji. Which mm-hmm. is, um, and then... It kind of treats like brewing a little differently. So basically what you're trying to do is convert that starch to sugar, just like every, you know, every kind of, you know, brewing process. So I learned a lot about that. Um, I learned about the grades. Then there's ginjo. Ginjo is kind of the premium grades. So there's jumai ginjo and regular ginjo. Regular ginjo could have a little bit of added distilled alcohol. 
Junmai has no distilled alcohol. So anything with Junmai means no distilled alcohol. Then there's uh, then there's uh, Junmai Din, Daiginjo, and there's Daiginjo. So Junmai Daiginjo. And that's like the premium of kind of the finest, technically higher mill sake rice. So I learned about that. I learned about like uh, the, the breweries, the, the taxes in Japan, the water, soft and hard water, how it affects the, the sake brewing process. And the fact that if you want to brew good tasting sake, you want to make sure your water does not have iron, a lot of iron in it. That would just ruin your sake. Um, it's so fascinating. It's so much complex. Most people think sake is a very simple drink. It's a very complex um, beverage. Um, um, probably more complex than wine and beer. And just learning about the grades, learning about the filtering process. And like people heard of like Nagori. They say, oh, Nagori is unfiltered sake. Nagori is not unfiltered. It's still filtered. All sake has to be filtered. It's just not as filtered as other sake, which leaves the cloudiness. But there's different types of Nagori. Um and there's Nama, which I ordered a, I ordered some more sake. Um, and Nama is basically, most sake is pasteurized twice for stabilization and so you can like keep it longer. Um, but Nama is unpasteurized. So you, you hear the term unpasteurized, honey, unpasteurized, this. It's like everybody loves unpasteurized. So there's unpasteurized sake, which brings out little different flavors and stuff. But like that has to be kept cold because it doesn't last as long. You can't keep it as long. So I learned I learned a lot. It's a very fascinating beverage, um, and I ordered another one. I also learned about different types of yeast starters. There's, there's two types that are very popular, not very popular, Yamaha and, and uh, Kimoto, um, or uh, kind of this two starters, which adds kind of like because one of the processes you want to bring in lactic acid into the in the process of of the of sake, and usually most sake is added in lactic acid. But Yamaha and Komoto are, are yeast starters that like curates, brings in naturally occurring lactic bacteria that create the lactic acid, which allows for even a more robust flavor sake. Sake. And I ordered a Yamaha, Cabo Yamaha, which is kind of like a red wine, equivalent to red wines, I guess you would say. Hmm. A little more acidity. It goes well with like beef and steaks and like rich foods. Um, so yeah, it's like a very fascinating. I learned about pairing different sake sakes with food. Um, learned about sparkling sake. We learned about aging sake. We learned about like taru. A taru is a sake that's aged in, well, not really age, uh, but like kind of aged usually in cedar cast. So it gives like a cedar flavor, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm still surprised I learned, like I just spit out, spit out all this stuff from my head. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's a very fascinating culture, like in brewing process, like the brewing process is just fascinating. Um, but yeah, so that's, I am a certified socket professional and, um, I am, and I'm in awe of you Tariq. Congratulations. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fascinating history. So I, I, I've, so I've like, I came with the name of the brewery. I don't know if I'm even, even doing this, but that's my goal. Right, I'm not going to put so much pressure on me. Like, oh my god, I failed, but I I, I found the name of the brewery I want. So, Yasuke is a the first foreign born samurai back in 1500 it was an African, mm-hmm. and Yasuke means the black one. So I my sake I want to call brewery is Yasuke Sake. Hmm. Named after samurai and the black being black myself, and I like already bought the domain name. 
Cool. So, yeah. Maybe one of these days, uh, like I've been trying to like get people to, like invite me a house. I like bring some sake. We do a sake tasting. But if you want to do a sake tasting, I'd be happy to do a sake tasting with you. Well, that is good to know. That is yeah. good to know because I don't know anything about sake, so that would be it really. Is, it is really amazing. Helpful. I learned. I learned about heating. Not all sake can be heated. Some sake, most sake is enjoyed chilled. But sake, some sakes are enjoyed room temperature. It brings out different flavors. Some have specifically made for hotness, warm, and different temperatures. So it's, it's a very, the culture, the, the traditions. I mean, nothing can compare to sake compared to any other um, alcoholic beverage, the culture and the traditions. Not even wine. Mm. It's just amazing. Very fascinating. Just the glasses, the, 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 the hoop, how you pour, all of it. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. So. Anyway, I maybe bored some people out there with some of the terminology. I don't know. Did I bore you? I Not know. at all. I was pretty fascinated just listening to what you were saying. Yeah. So, so yeah. Again, so I'm looking forward to this. I get a, a Nama tomorrow. I get a place. This place. I get ordered from different places. Um, this place in San Francisco called True Sake, which is like the go-to place for sake. One of the places, and then Tipsy Sake. I also go order my sake for because you know there's no really good place to get here locally uh, a nice variety mm-hmm. even total wine has like four bottles oh, that's not much oh. yeah. no it's not a lot um but yeah true sake like if you want to if anybody wants to know anything just hit me up and i can recommend some stuff and point you in the right direction but it, it is it is it is cool it is really really fascinating um but anyway well thanks for sharing that knowledge with us yeah and there's rumors, I don't know if I can public knowledge, but there's rumors that there might be, there will be a sake bar in Milwaukee coming soon. So I, I don't know if I can say anything more than that. Hmm. But yeah. Well, that's intriguing if that's actually do you, true. Do you have any questions about sake or anything? I just want to find a sake that tastes good because I remember going to Japanese restaurants and trying it and really disliking it. And I well, think you probably I, just you just had hot sake, right? Or is that what yeah, you had? Yeah, just hot yeah. sake. And that's usually one brand that most sushi restaurants have is the Gekkon. The Ge- I can't pronounce it right, but it's like they probably just have that one brand. Yeah. Um, but then there's sake that have palates and stuff, and you know, I've I've had like the one I, like I just finished last night. It's a Konteki. It's a Daiginjo, which is just the mouthfeel, the smoothness. It was just so flavorful. You might like the Taru, the cedar cask. Hmm. It kind of like kind of has a cedar flavor um because you don't like do you like what's your palate like when you drink alcohol beverage what do you like go for in wine um i like crisp um mm. i like fruity but not too fruity um i like um oaky yeah so maybe a taru Mm. Or we could like try a, a, a daiginjo. Like, there's all types out there. Like, Tipsy Saki does a very good job of comparing it and giving the. They have a chart to tell you like it's dry, kind of aromas you get from it. Um, so that's kind of that helps kind of like help, especially wine people to like migrate over to figure out some equivalents, mm-hmm. and also learn like one place I want to get sake from is Din Saki. Um, they're out in um. Portland, Seattle, Seattle, Seattle. Uh, Dinsaki is a small craft sake brewery. 
And what he's done, he's created sake with a higher acidity level than traditional sake, almost twice as much acidity than traditional sake. And the reason when you want acidity is for food pairing. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Like wine. He wanted to create the same level of acidity uh, during the brewing process to get that same kind of uh, acidity as wine when you pair foods. And so his 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 sake is really apparently really good with like foods and and like different dishes, non-traditional, non-Jap, non-traditional Japanese cuisine. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's again, I mean, there's so much out there. That's, that's, that's a crazy thing. There's so much sake out there, like different types. There's age sake. Um, um, just it's, I think you probably like, I have a Nad Nama unpasteurized sake, but I hear so many things about it. I also ordered this one called Tamagawa Time Machine. I ordered this one. Apparently, a lot of people were talking about this on a uh, webinar I was on, a kind of a virtual tour. Uh, it was called Tamagawa Jumai Komoto. Remember I mentioned about the Komoto yeast starter? It used naturally forming lactic acid mm-hmm. bacteria. Mm-hmm. Cultivate lactic acid. This one, is, is it's, it's not clear. It's actually kind of a tan color. So basically, it's, it's basically a, it's, it's, it's a sake created by this guy named Phil, Philip Hunter. It's a British guy. It's like the first, one of the first um, non-Japanese toji, toji, which is kind of a brewmaster mm-hmm. in, in Japan. And this sake is basically uh, brewed like how it was brewed 300 years ago. And it has this tan kind of uh, light brown color. But basic description it had, it has a nose filled with aged honey, old lemons, musky leather, leather, soy sauce, and maple syrup aromas. Wow. It has a mouthfeel like a whiskey. It's kind of like a dessert wine. Goes well with cheese plates and cured meats. I ordered a bottle of that. Uh, that should cut here tomorrow. It's only a 360 milliliter. It's not a full bottle. Which I ordered two. I should order two. Oh, well. Um, I can order another one. I'm going to order another one next week. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So that's one out there I think you might like a lot. Hmm. I haven't had it, but I feel like that fits. That might fit your profile. Fits the profile. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so it's called Tamagawa Junmai Komoto Time Machine. Interesting. Well, that wraps up this Bites. This Bites is edited by Kitty Perez. Handcrafted sign of inspiration comes from the licensed lab with support from Society Insurance and your membership. Subscribe to this podcast at RadioMilwaukee.org slash This Bites. Find us on iTunes, NPR, Stitcher, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Remember, feedback's important, so please rate and review. And as always, Anne, stay hungry. And keep the malord cold. <laughs> <laughs>